Welcome to Mountain State Cardboard, a podcast about sports, sports cards, and life from the Mountain State of West Virginia. If you're looking for guaranteed hot picks and lead pipe lock advice on the next big thing in sports cards, just turn around now. This isn't the show for you. This is a fun conversation about the hobby we all love. Welcome, gang, to another episode of Mountain State Cardboard. I'm Tim. This is my podcast about sports, sports cards, and life. And we are rolling right along in the middle of what is, as far as my adult lifetime goes, the most exciting period that I can remember in North American major sports. I mean, we are talking about, I'm sitting here recording this on Monday morning. We had a full slate of NFL games, minus the the Monday night game tonight. We had the last day of the regular season of Major League Baseball. And over the weekend, we had two conference finals close out in the NBA, including uh, last night, the Miami Heat, a team that I don't know that a lot of people gave the opportunity to get to the finals, uh, close out the Celtics uh, to... Uh, punch their ticket to the NBA Finals to play the uh, the Lakers. I mean, this is, I cannot think of a time when this much exciting stuff was happening all at the same time, unless maybe uh, it was the night of the OJ Chase and the U.S. Open and uh, the uh, uh, NBA Finals all, all happening at the, at the same time uh, back in the day. Uh, but that was exciting for very, very different reasons. Uh, but it, it's it's been an exciting weekend. Uh, I will tell you, as I'm looking at my show notes uh, prepping for today, we're going to be very baseball heavy uh, on this show. Uh, but before we get into uh, baseball stuff, including uh, the main segment today, um, is really going to talk less about analytics, far, far less about analytics, uh, because that's not really my jam anyway. Uh, but it's not going to be about analytics or strategies. It's it's going to be more about the love of cards and uh, a reminder that I was given this weekend. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know uh, that I picked up a couple of cards over the weekend and there's kind of a cool story behind it. uh, And I'm going to tell that today in the main segment of the pod. But uh, before we get into really, really heavy baseball stuff, uh, talk a little bit about, um, you know, the NBA, uh, it's the Lakers to lose, I think, right? Like, I, I no disrespect to the Heat, and the Heat are, that's an exciting team. Um, I think that's a really interesting team long term. Um, when you look at all of the young talent that they've got on that team and the fact that Jimmy Butler has come in and taught them how to win and how to compete, and I, Pat Riley probably the greatest executive of our lifetime um, because I think he saw all of this young talent and how Jimmy Butler could come in and teach them how to be winners because there is no, I mean, you could talk about competitive guys in the NBA and there are a lot of them and it's, it would be tough to say one is more competitive than the other, but I can't think of anybody that's more competitive than Jimmy Butler. Maybe LeBron, but I would say they're probably at that same level from a from a competitiveness standpoint. Um, but bringing Jimmy Butler into that squad was genius, and they're reaping the rewards for it. And Spolstra does not get enough credit for what a great coach he is. It's going to be a fun finals, but I think it's all set up for the Lakers to win. And I don't mean set up like it's fixed. I just mean you go all the way back to – 
you bring in Anthony Davis, and then the tragedy of Kobe this season, and LeBron's on a mission, and I, I just think the whole thing is set up for the Lakers uh, to hold the trophy at the end of this. Uh, I think, for me, the only question is, is LeBron the MVP or is AD the MVP? I tend to say AD because I think Jimmy Butler is going to guard LeBron a lot, and that's going to be tough for LeBron. I think he's one of the few guys in the NBA that can body him and, and guard him a little bit. Um, but if Jimmy Butler can't guard LeBron, LeBron's going to win the finals MVP. But um, that's going to be a fun uh, series. I'm calling Lakers in six. That's my prediction, and I'm just throwing it out there as a casual fan who, you know, no hardcore analytics. I just think Lakers in six. That's my guess. And Anthony Davis is the uh, MVP. Um, football, um, good day of football yesterday. Uh, just a couple of thoughts. One, I hope you sold your Mitchell Trubisky cards while you could because I don't see him touching the field again this year unless Nick Foles gets hurt. Um, Russell Wilson, um, and I talked you know, several weeks ago about I didn't collect a lot of football cards, but I've always liked Russell Wilson, so I've started building a little bit of a Russ uh, PC, and I'm very happy with that right now because Russ is playing ridiculous. Um, just, I mean, what he's doing right now, quarterbacks don't generally do. And that was a really great battle between him and Dak Prescott yesterday, um, you know, Dak threw for over 400 yards. Russ threw for four TDs. Could have been five if, uh, or five could have been six if uh, DK Metcalf uh, hadn't have been a turd at the goal line. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how many times you got to see that kind of highlight before receivers start protecting the ball all the way to the goal line. And I guess it's arrogance, but I don't know. Uh, really disappointed in DK Metcalf yesterday. If you if you haven't seen the highlights, go back and, and watch them. Uh, and then finally, um, my quarterback crush. I'll just throw this out there. Justin Herbert. I said last week that I've been on him since the draft. He's the one guy in this draft that intrigued me. Yeah, Joe Burrow played fine yesterday, but Joe Burrow was the number one pick. He's expected to play. He's expected to play well. He's he's that's the expectation. Justin Herbert wasn't even supposed to start last week had to come in because of the Tyrod Taylor issue, and uh, I'm assuming that that team doctor has been fired that punctured his lung with a shot. But, uh, you know, Justin Herbert's a guy who was further down the draft. It's sort of like the Cam-Russell Wilson thing, right? Like Cam Newton went number one overall. He's been an MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl. But then Russ, who goes like dozens of picks later, actually has a Super Bowl ring. He's been to a couple of Super Bowls. He's never been an MVP, but he's had a really great career. And it's like the difference between the expectations of Cam Newton and Russell Wilson to a little, to a certain degree. And then you've got the expectations of a guy like Joe Burrow or even Tua who had all the hype coming out. And then Justin Herbert, who had a really nice college career. The underlying stats to me were solid. Uh, He'd been through some adversity with a bunch of coaching changes in college, but had sort of managed all of them. Yeah, I'm going to stand for Justin Herbert a little bit on the podcast, I think, because I just what I watched again yesterday and yeah, he threw a pick, but the stats were solid. 35 of 49, 333 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but he didn't lose the game. He's a he's a young guy playing in his second game with a bunch of veterans. He didn't lose the game. And I think with more experience, he's going to be the guy that can win those games. So I'm all on the Justin Herbert train. Um, for what it's worth. 
funny, though, to see people jumping off of the Drew Locke train. And Drew Locke was the flavor of the week going into the season. Everybody was high on Drew Locke and talking about Elway building around him, and he was going to be so great. And all of those things remain—he got hurt. But all of those underlying factors remain the same. And Sports Card Analytics, uh, my boy Jordan, had a great— post about this on Instagram and just the precipitous drop in Drew Locke uh, prices because people were just bailing as soon as he got hurt. And to me, that's insane because if you were in on Drew Locke to begin with, none of those underlying factors that caused you to be a quote unquote investor in Drew Locke have changed other than the fact that he got hurt and it's not even a major injury. It didn't like tear his knee out or anything, right? So, the, peop- the fact that people are diving off of the Drew Locke train is hilarious to me. Now, watch. I, will, I, I have a suspicion that if, if Tyrod Taylor can get healthy, that he'll, come, he'll go back to starting in L.A. I always want to say San Diego. He'll go back to starting in L.A. Justin Herbert will go back to the bench. There's nothing wrong with that, but you watch people dive off of the Justin Herbert train because he's been tracking up. The moment that Tyrod Taylor goes back in at quarterback for the Chargers, people are going to jump off of Justin Herbert, and that's when you need to buy because he is the long-term guy in L.A., and he's going to be very good. He's going to be very good, I think. So just watch. That's what's going to happen. Pay attention. Um, It's always funny to me, and and I'm – already distracting myself and getting I'm going off notes but um, think about guys who have come in and they were you know starting quarterback from day one and there have been some really good ones there have been some really bad ones think about guys who had the opportunity to sit a little while and then take over the reins Patrick Mahomes didn't start year one game one Uh, Tom Brady didn't start game one year one uh, Aaron Rodgers certainly did not start year one, game one. And you're, you're talking about great quarterbacks. There is nothing wrong with sitting. So if Tyrod Taylor comes back in in L.A. and they just give Justin Herbert more, th- these game opportunities he's getting now are great, but then give him the opportunity to just continue to learn behind a pro quarterback and learn how to be a professional. And, you know, this season's a little weird. It's not quite the same, but, you know, traveling and interacting with fans and the media, learn all of that because that's what these guys who come in and don't have to start right away. That's a benefit to them. I think they're better off for sitting a little before they start playing. So if Justin Herbert goes back to the bench as the number two quarterback for the Chargers, there's nothing wrong with that, and he's still going to have a very good career, I think. So, my two cents. Uh, this, I guess, is going to become the official uh, Justin Herbert fan cl- fan club podcast. Um, just guessing. I don't know. But I, I really like what I see from the kid, um, and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, baseball. Yesterday, last game of the regular season. Um, so much fun. And I was I was I was glued to football, but I was watching all of the baseball highlights on or you know tracking all the games on my phone. Um, a lot of postseason matchups were not locked up until yesterday. A lot of uh, uh, playoff participants weren't uh, locked up until yesterday. And just real quick, and I'm not going to do a deep dive analysis of all of this, but I'm going to run through uh, the schedule uh, for the playoffs, or at least the matchups for the playoffs in the American League. Tampa Bay is the one seed. Uh, and they'll play Toronto. And all of these first-round games, if I'm understanding it correctly, are best-of-three series, and they're played at the higher seeds 
stadium, so there won't be any travel in the first round. So all three games in this instance would be in Tampa. Tampa taking on Toronto. Oakland is the two seed. They'll face the White Sox. Uh, Minnesota is the three seed. They play the Astros. And Cleveland is the four seed, and they play the Yankees. And you're going to get a game one matchup, most likely, of Shane Bieber and Garrett Cole. That's going to be a ton of fun. Um, You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into a lot of predictions. I think the one thing that made me happy was that the the twins and I've got a little bit of a twins fan thing going on. I've I spent a little time in Minnesota. Uh, I've been to to Target Field. It's a beautiful ballpark. It's it's a great atmosphere. The Twins are that you know kind of small market team uh, that you li- that I like to root for. So I've got a little bit. I, I was wearing a Twins cap yesterday as I was sorting cards and watching football. Um, Twins get in at the three seed. They don't have to play the Yankees in the first round, which I I think a lot of people were rooting for the Twins not to have to see the Yankees at least in the first round of the playoffs for a change. Um, but I like that. I like Minnesota. I've, I've got a little bit of a thing for them, um, so I'll, I'll kind of be rooting for them uh, in the playoffs. Um, also, a little bit of a thing for Tampa Bay. Uh, not so much after Evan Longoria left. Uh, National League. Let's run through the National League quickly. Dodgers are the one seed. They'll play Milwaukee, who kind of backed in. Uh, but uh, Milwaukee, home team of uh, my boy Jed Jerko. So I'll uh, kind of be rooting for the, the Brew Crew there because of uh, West Virginia native Jed Jerko, who celebrated a birthday this past week. I posted about it on Instagram. I've got a little Jed PC and showed off some of the cards there. Um, Atlanta is the two seed. Uh, They'll take on Cincinnati, the seven seed. Uh, Chicago Cubs, three seed. Uh, They'll face uh, Miami, uh, the Marlins, who get in at six. And then the most intriguing matchup to me in the National League is the 4-5 series. San Diego is the four seed. St. Louis is the five seed. And that is the absolute pinnacle of contrast of styles. You have the young, fun, dynamic, energetic, play the game with passion, San Diego Padres, Tatis, Machado, fun, fun, fun team to watch play baseball. And then you have the St. Louis Cardinals, who there is probably not another Major League Baseball team that I loathe more than the Cardinals. And that's all of them. You know, people could be Yankee haters, people can be Red Sox haters. I loathe the Cardinals because they are the definition of the get off of my lawn, don't have any fun, respect the game, play the right way, BS attitude when it comes to Major League Baseball. I loathe that. And they've got this whole thing about the Cardinal way and it's nonsense. And so you've got the young, fun, dynamic team against the, uh, hey, you kids, get off of my lawn. St. Louis Cardinals. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of which, I just want to make a point. I, I loathe the Cardinals. It's the first time I've talked about it on the podcast. Loathe the Cardinals. And the poster boy of why I hate the Cardinals is Yadier Molina. You know, Yadi is this, you know, he's the captain of the play the play the game the right way squad, and I can't stand it. 
if you watched the Cardinals game yesterday, and I didn't watch live, but I saw the highlights, Yadier Molina hit into a triple play. And there's nothing more exciting in baseball than a triple play. But this was the most boring triple play I've ever seen in my life. Runners on first and second, Yadier at bat, Yadi grounds to third, third baseman steps on the bag and sends it around the horn, easy triple play. And the reason it was so easy is because there was absolutely no play at first base because Yadier Molina was maybe a third of the way up the line by the time the ball got around the horn. He came out of the batter's box and nearly walked to first base. Now, excuse me if I'm incorrect here, but Yachty, is is that playing the game the right way? Aren't you, I mean, aren't you as like captain of the, of the uh, respect the game squad? Shouldn't you be hustling up the line to first base to prevent the triple play? But instead, you don't hustle out of the box, and you you maybe maybe got halfway up the line by the time the ball got around there. I, I, the, the Cardinals exhaust me, so I hope that it's a three game sweep for the Padres. But the Padres are a little beaten up in the pitching department, so that's going to be a tough one. Um, let's talk about a couple of other baseball related things today. Um, Let's talk about guys that get a lot of hype and a lot of attention. And I'm going to run through a list here in a few minutes that I think, for those of you that may not be as knowledgeable about baseball as, and I've noticed this in the hobby, right? Like some guys are basketball guys, some guys are baseball guys, some guys are football guys. I'm a baseball guy. Um, If I had to break it out into like what I have the most knowledge about, it's baseball hands down, Um, followed probably by basketball and then football. But I, I see that a lot of guys have come into the hobby through the other sports, and so they don't maybe know as much about baseball. Um, I've got. A, I'm going to run through a list here in a minute that might be helpful. It's just a piece of data that you can throw into your overall analysis of players and cards. Um, but I wanted. To, you know, we talk about guys that get. You know, Luis Robert ton of hype, Bo Bichette, ton of hype, Kyle Lewis this year, ton of hype, Fernando Tatis. These are the like these are the young players that everybody's looking at. Ronald Acuña falls into that category. To me, one of the guys that gets overlooked and when I look at how cards are priced, I I think it's backed up. One of the guys that that gets overlooked that absolutely mashes the ball, is fun to watch and is set up for a very long and successful career is Juan Soto in Washington. And, you know, Juan Soto came up, and he wasn't even the hyped prospect in their system at the time. That was actually Victor Robles. Victor Robles was the guy who everybody thought was going to be a star in the outfield in uh, Washington. And then Soto was just kind of like, oh, and then there's also Juan Soto. Juan Soto closed, and this is a short season, and I, I get that it's not necessarily representative Uh, of a full Major League Baseball season, but the stats count and the guys still have to produce. Listen to this line from Juan Soto for the season yesterday. He batted 351, won the National League batting title, batted 351, hit 13 home runs with 37 RBI and a 1.185 OPS. That is, I mean, that's a triple crown season right there. And he didn't win the triple crown, but I mean... Those those slash lines and the rates that he were on, I mean, 13 home runs in a 60-game season, I mean, you're talking about a 40-home run season right there. That's triple crown level stuff. He is 21 years old. 
I cannot buy enough Juan Soto right now because I think the kid is going to be good for a very, very long time. Um, want to tell a story, not a story, but I want to use, I want to, I want to point out a season that a player had and you use it to go back and make a statement about what's happening and what's going to happen next year with major league baseball. Um, we've talked about the plan to basically just tear down the minor league baseball system and radically change it next year. Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred at the helm, they have decimated minor league baseball. They're going to cut 40-some teams. You know, they're developing these affiliate leagues, which will be independent but not independent. Um, A lot of communities are going to lose baseball teams that they've had for decades at the minor league level. I have a personal stake in this because my city is on the chopping block of cities that will lose their affiliated major league or their affiliated minor league uh, team, meaning that if there is a team in my city next year, it most likely will not be. affiliated with a major league baseball team and that just that means a lot for for people that follow baseball they'll understand that means a lot when you're when you're an independent team as opposed to an affiliated team there's a huge difference um i'll still go to the games it'll still be a fun experience but it's going to be a little bit different you know one of the things i've always loved about going to the ballpark is you see these guys come through that you know will be playing in the major leagues one day and you know, I could rattle off a whole list of players that I've seen play in person in my little tiny minor league ballpark that are now all stars or um, major contributors uh, on major league baseball teams. I mean, the list is too long to even get into, but that's all going to kind of go away. So I say all of that to talk about a guy out in Los Angeles, not with the Dodgers, but with the Angels in Anaheim. A 27-year-old rookie named Jared Walsh. And unless you're following baseball closely, you probably don't know who Jared Walsh is. Jared Walsh is a 27-year-old rookie first baseman with the Angels. And yeah, 27 is old to be a rookie. And and you can look at guys that have come up and, and been rookies late in their in their 20s like that. And, you know, they don't have sustained major league careers. Chris Sabo kind of, for me, the poster boy of that. I think he was 25 when he finally cracked a big league roster. He had a couple of nice years, but then kind of peaked and fell off and, and Chris Sabo disappeared from the baseball consciousness. Jared Walsh has had a really great year. Jared Walsh, rookie first baseman, hit 293 with nine home runs, 26 RBI, and a 971 OPS. That's a really solid season for a rookie. It's a solid season for anybody. But a rookie in a lineup with Mike Trout and Shoei Otani and all of those guys, I mean, Jared Walsh was a standout this year for the Angels. Here's the story about Jared Walsh, though. He was a 39th round draft pick, got a $3,000 signing bonus from the Angels. He used that $3,000 signing bonus to pay for off-season workouts. Five years later, he was, as of about four days ago, leading the American League in slugging percentage. He led it for the month of September. Um, He had a really solid season as a 27-year-old rookie, 39th-round draft pick, who came up through the minor league system. He would not have had a major league career under what's about to happen next year because they've also contracted the draft. Uh, 
So what Manfred and his crew are in the process of doing would eliminate opportunity for guys like Jared Walsh. And for me, that's another bit, you know, but my biggest issue is that you're taking baseball out of all of these communities that have been homes to minor league teams for generations. And it disproportionately affects Appalachia. And I talked about that at length when we, when we really did a deep dive into this. Um, but you're eliminating baseball teams, but you're also eliminating opportunities for guys like Jared Walsh, who was a 39th round draft pick, because there will not be a 39th round in the future. Now, I mean, and, and I guess theoretically he could still grind it out. He could sign on with an independent league team. He could catch this, the eye of a scout who's happening, who happens to be passing through the area and might get a, uh, an invitation to spring training two years later and, Maybe, 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 but now you're just, you're limiting the pool of players that you're giving that once in a lifetime opportunity to. And it's one of those things that looks good on a balance sheet. And I understand from, from a strict economic sense, why major league baseball is doing this, but sometimes it has to be about more than dollars and cents. And this is an instance where what looks good on the balance sheet isn't good for the overall health of Major League Baseball. And I don't think anybody cares. So that's my that's my take. So I just wanted to point out the story of Jared Walsh and how in the future, based on what Rob Manfred is doing to Major League and Minor League Baseball, there will not be a Jared Walsh in the future. So remember that I said that. Um Okay. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to do before I get into the main topic today, um, I want to talk about the list that came out, and it comes out at the end of every year, of um, the best-selling Major League jerseys each season. Um, so I'm going to just run through the top 20-selling uh, Major League Baseball jerseys this year. And I think the The reason that this list is interesting to me is, and I've always looked at this list because I think you can you can draw some correlation between whose jerseys sell well and whose cards will sell well, and therefore, if you are in the investing and flipping game, whose cards you should be buying. And some of this is pretty obvious. A lot of it, frankly, is pretty obvious. But there are some. Uh, I think there are some takeaways. The number one overall selling jersey uh, this year, and some of it does have to do with market size, but when you drill down into individual player jerseys, it's less about market size and more about who people like. And if you like a guy enough to buy his jersey and you're also buying cards, you like him enough to buy his baseball cards. Okay, top 20 selling Major League Baseball jerseys in 2020. Number one, Mookie Betts. Number two, Aaron Judge. Number three, and this was a bit of a surprise for me, was Bryce Harper. Four, Fernando Tatis. And checking in at number five is my boy that I just talked about, Juan Soto, the Washington Nationals. Quickly running through the other 15, Cody Bellinger, Max Scherzer, Javier Baez, Clayton Kershaw, Ronald Acuna comes in at number 10, followed by Christian Yelich, Manny Machado, Anthony Rizzo is at 13, Mike Trout is 14th, and Chris Bryant is 15. Rounding out the top 20, John Carlos Stanton, Yadier freaking Molina, 
Jose Altuve, Garrett Cole at 19, and Freddie Freeman is at number 20. So those are your top 20 selling Major League Baseball jerseys for 2020, and I think that's relatable to the card market and the and the because it, it there's to me there's correlation um, in all of that. Um, I told you this show was going to be baseball heavy, so uh, let's move now into the main segment of the show. And I, I don't have a lot of, uh, by the way, I don't have a lot of content shout outs this week. Um, I shouted out Jordan at Sports Card Analytics earlier. And uh, if you're not following uh, Sports Card Analytics on Instagram, you really need to because um, Jordan is able to look at data and parse data and come up with uh, interesting takes. And he's, and I shouted him out earlier because he showed the uh, the absolute insanity of the way uh, Drew Locke's card prices fell off after he got injured last weekend. And if you were an investor in Drew Locke before the injury, you should you shouldn't be selling off because. And he he made the point in in this instance, you're not an investor, you're a flipper. Uh, because if you're invested in a guy, a minor injury shouldn't throw you off the train. So anyway, shout out to Jordan. That's from a content shout out. I I just want to point out Jordan at Sports Card Analytics. And also there's an Instagram account that I love and it's called Cardboard Ballers and you got to follow it. Uh, The dude is hilarious. He had, I will say, the language definitely not safe for work. Uh, So if, if foul language in any way, shape or form offends you, you probably don't want to check out Cardboard Ballers. But um if uh, if you don't mind a little language, and I certainly don't because I trade in foul language when I'm away from the microphone. Uh, so when I started watching uh, his Instagram, it's like game recognized game, right? Like he's a master of profanity. But uh, it, it's a great account. And he, he did this rant on Gary V this past weekend that he compared Gary V to uh, African-American artists back in the day on the Chitlin circuit. And it was hysterical and accurate. And I loved every second of it. So now I'm watching the cardboard ballers, uh, IGTV on the regular and uh, shout out to that dude. I don't know who he is. Never had a conversation with him, but his Instagram is fire and I love it. So there's your content shout outs. Now let's get into the main segment. And I want to talk about two cards. And if you saw, uh, I posted over the weekend on Instagram. I bought two cards in a diner parking lot on Saturday in a very random sequence of events. Um, so I have these friends, and we get together periodically. And pre-pandemic, we used to go out to lunch a couple of times a week, and we just talk sports. And uh, we jokingly uh, call them hot take lunches because we would get into these ridiculous sports debates over uh, hot takes and and uh, semi-educated opinions, and we would do that a couple of times a week. Well, that all kind of got shut down during the pandemic. Um, this past Saturday, things in our area have gotten to the point where you don't feel uncomfortable going out to uh, have a, a, a meal in a place where you think they're taking their protocol seriously. So we went to this little diner where we often would go for breakfast on Saturday mornings and uh, three of us sat and talked for two hours about basketball. Um, 
and it I won't get into all the details of the debates, but you know the 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 largest uh, portion of our conversation had to do with um, who's who has had the better has had the better career, Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard, and. I didn't have a strong opinion. I think if you're looking at complete overall career, it's still Dwight Howard, but Anthony Davis is certainly the better basketball player. So we, a lot of our debates get into this, to these semantic arguments as well. But that's not important. But any, what is important is that because we got into these, and, and then the debate skewed all over the place, and it was just three of us at a diner counter and everybody else in the place laughing at us because it got heated at times. Uh, if we hadn't gotten into that debate, I would have missed this opportunity. If we hadn't gotten into that debate and, and the ensuing debates that followed, we would not have been at this restaurant for two and a half hours. And had we not been at this restaurant for two and a half hours, we would have missed the guy who came in, who was a friend of one of the guys in our group, who said, hey, by the way, I've got those cards out in my car for you to look at. Well, as soon as that was said, and my other buddy is a, one, of, one of the three of us, the two of us are big card collectors. Um, the other guy's probably more than me. Um, but as soon as he said that, as soon as he uttered the words, hey, I've got those cards out in my car for you to look at, my spidey senses started to tingle, right? Because I love to look through cards. Whether I'm buying them or not, uh, I just love looking at cards. I love looking at other people's cards. Um, and you never know what you're going to find, right? And so I said, what's that about? And he's like, oh, he found this these old cards in his garage and he wants me to look through them, but you know what that's going to end up being. And if you're in, if you're in this hobby, you know exactly what my buddy meant when he said, ah, you know exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be a box of trash because this guy is not a collector. He doesn't know anything about the cards. He found these cards. He thinks he's got something and you're going to look through this box and it's going to be a by and large, a bunch of junk, right? We've all been there. I said, yeah, but, you know, we'll look at him. He's like, oh, yeah, we're going to look at him. So we finish up. We go out to the parking lot. And again, had we not gotten into this crazy sports debate, this would not have happened because we would have been gone. We would have missed this guy coming in at the same time, and we wouldn't have made the trick trek out to the parking lot to see these cards that he had. So the guy opens up the back seat of his car and he pulls out and I'm not kidding you. And I wish I'd, I wish I'd have had the presence of mind to, to, to document all of this with photographs because I cannot begin to accurately describe this, but I'm going to try. So the guy opens up the back seat of his car and he pulls out, I kid you not, two gallon Ziploc bags filled with loose cards. That's what he had. Oh, and he had one factory set of 1993 tops. And as soon as I saw the factory set still in the cellophane of the 93 tops, and yeah, there's there's a Jeter in there, but you know, whatever. As soon as I saw the factory set of 1993 tops, I thought, well, here we go. It's all junk wax. And then I look at the two Ziploc gallon bags of loose cards, and I can see 91 Fleer. I see a bunch of early 90s score football, but it's all bent up and, and dog-eared. And, and I'm seeing 93 tops, and I'm seeing 92 tops baseball. And so 
I, I, I look at this. The guy pulls the bags out of the back seat, and he was an older gentleman, very nice. It turns out uh, he, he lives down the block from me. We live on the same street. He lives down the block. But anyway, so he pulls these two bags out, and my buddy and I look at each other and shake our heads and kind of chuckle. And the guy doesn't understand, and he said, what's wrong? And, and my buddy says, well, you know, I, I, I've seen a, a ton of, of these. He's like, I'm, I can't imagine there's anything in there, but let's look. So we each, he and I, my friend and I, both take a gallon bag of cards and go over to the hood of the car and open them up. And I look down inside the bag, and of course, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was all of these junk wax 90s cards, most of them all in terrible shape because they've been jostled around in a Ziploc bag for probably 20 years. And they were just in some guy's garage, and he randomly found them. So, fine. I'm doing the cursory look. Well, the next thing I know, my buddy says, oh, here's a top loader. Let's see what this is. And he says it sarcastically. And I look over, and as he's saying it, and he pulls the top loader out of his bag of cards, it is a 1965 Hank Aaron baseball card. And he says, that can't be real. And I looked at it, and I said, oh, no, that's real. And I could tell immediately, and I'm a little bit more into vintage than he is. He's more into modern cards. I'm definitely, vintage baseball is my jam. Um, I looked at it and I said, no, that's real. He's like, how can you tell? I said, because if it was a reprint, it would be better centered. And the card is slightly off center, top to bottom. It's nice left to right. It's maybe a little right heavy, but it's it's fairly, and this was common in the 65 top set. It's common through a lot of those late, to late 60s to late 70s tops cards, but uh, it's pretty off-center top to bottom. Um, you still get all of the border, but it's it's pretty off-center. I said, no, that's real. I said, that's real because if it was if it was a reprint, it would be better centered. He's like, oh, okay. Well, and then so we pull it out and look, and yeah, it's definitely real because you can tell – and again, if you know, you know. If you if you if you collect vintage cards, you you just know the paper stock, right? So we get it out of the top loader, and it wasn't even a top loader; it was like a snap together, uh, one of those old snap together cases. Um, but definitely real, not in terrible shape. It's got a little crease on the right, little crease on the right, and um, a little uh, cornered on the top left. But otherwise, it's in pretty good shape. Um, so, okay, so there's card one. Well, so then I said, well, I better look in this bag a little more closely. And I start shifting the cards around. And I said, oh, wait a second, here's a screw down case. And for those of you young bucks that don't know, uh, those used to be really popular in the 80s and early 90s, the screw down case. So there's a screw down case. And I reach in and I grab the screw down case. And it is. The nicest 1964 Mickey Mantle card that I've ever personally, with my own hands and eyes, seen. No kidding. So in these two gallon Ziploc bags of completely random junk wax nonsense are a 1965 Hank Aaron 
1964 Mickey Mantle that, save for a little crease in the top right, it is almost perfectly centered and a little crease on the bottom right. Almost perfectly centered, relatively good corners for a 1964 card. Good color, good centering, backs clean, and they're just in this random bag of crap. And when I tell you, we jokingly told the guy, if it weren't for these two cards, you'd have to pay us $20 to carry these bags over to the dumpster and throw them away. I'm not kidding. Like, it was, those two bags were trash. But then here are these two cards. So now we get to the point where the guy's like, well, what should I do with them? And my, my buddy that I was with says, well, I've got to go over to the card shop. And there's a local card shop that we all kind of like. It's, it's our spot. Uh, he's like, I'm going over to the card shop later. I've got to pick some stuff up. Um, I'll just run him over there and, uh, and ask him if he, if he wants them. And the guy's like, oh, okay. And, and I could tell that the guy wanted to sell the card. Like he, he just wanted to get something out of these two bags of crap, right? Oh, and the 93 factory set. So I'm standing there and I'm looking at him. And I keep a $50 bill in my wallet at all times as emergency money. And gang, if, if coming across two cards like this isn't an emergency, I don't know what is. So I just said, I'll give you $50 cash for him right now. And he looks at my buddy who he knows better. And my buddy says, I would take it if I were you. He's like, it's cash in hand. And, and I'm not out to. And he's like, and the guy says, yeah, but you're going to turn around and sell those cards for more money. I said, actually, I can promise you that I'm not. And my, my buddy that I was with started laughing because he knows how I operate. He's like, no. He said, I can promise you that those two cards are going to go home, uh, get sleeved up, and go into a box in his house and be there for 10 years at least. And he's right. Like, I'm not. Now, I do have a bit of a dilemma, and I'll get to that in a moment. But so I pulled the $50 out and I handed him the guy and I said, $50 for the two cards. He took it. So, in a completely random series of events, I bought a 1965 Hank Aaron and a really beautiful 1964 Mickey Mantle card in a diner parking lot on a Saturday morning in September in West Virginia. And. It, it reminded me of something. Now, I will say, by the way, uh, my dilemma is this. I came home because I wanted to see just how well I did on the sale. Now, the, the Hank Aaron, especially in the... So if, I, I looked at it as I paid 25 bucks a piece for the two cards. The Hank Aaron in the condition it's in, market value. So I didn't, you know, I, I broke even on that one. The Mickey Mantle. Here's my dilemma. A PSA 3 of this 1964 Mickey Mantle, recently sold for $300. I have $25 in this card and would have another 20 to 25 in in getting it graded with shipping and everything. I could come close to 10xing my money on this Mickey Mantle card if I got it graded and sold it. Because I think it grades out higher than a three. I really, really do. I think it grades out at a four minimum. I think I could maybe get a five out of this or a six. It's in that good a shape, I think. I, I could be wrong. I've been wrong on these things before. But when it comes to vintage, I've got a pretty, I feel like I've got a pretty good eye. I could be wrong. I, I'm often wrong on modern and ultra modern cards. On vintage cards, I think I've got a pretty decent eye. And I, I know I could get a four, maybe a five out of this. 
depending on the grader, potentially a six, but at minimum a four, and a three sold for $300. So I've got a little bit of dilemma here, but I, I'm just going to let that marinate a little bit. But here's what I was reminded of, and here's how I'm going to close the show out. I, like a lot of people, get caught up in the week-to-week, the day-to-day, the, the, the flip game, the, the trying to make money on my cards. And, and I've always been a collector more than an investor. I just recently started selling cards, but I've become obsessed with it and following games and trying to, trying to decide what cards I'm going to sell. And I got to take a step back. Because what I'm forget what I had forgotten until Saturday morning is just how much I love baseball cards. And to see these two cards of these two iconic players, use the word correctly by the way, uh, to see these two cards brought joy to my day. To hold these cards in my hand and to come home and to tell the story of how I ended up with these two cards taking the pictures and posting them on Instagram, talking about them right now on this podcast, it excites me, it makes me happy, it brings me joy. And that's what baseball cards have always been about for me. And it it reminds me, too, that this all came from a place that was much simpler 50 years ago. Right. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, you know, Ruby red crack dice parallel die cut on card auto like and I I buy that stuff too and I'm not criticizing it I buy that stuff too and I dig it and parallels are cool and 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 short prints and super super short prints but in 1964 and 1965 there was a set of tops baseball cards and everybody every kid in America wanted a Mickey Mantle card and. On a September Saturday morning in West Virginia, I finally got a 1964 Mickey Mantle baseball card that I just bought by happenstance. And that, that is what we as collectors, if you're just an investor, I, I don't, I, I'm not speaking to you right now. But if you started out in this game as a collector, I hope you all have a moment like this that reminds you of where you came from in this hobby. I hope you all have an experience like I had in pulling two beautiful vintage baseball cards out of a Ziploc bag full of junk because it brought me back to being six years old in 1980 and pulling a Willie Stargell 1980 tops out of a wax pack and being more excited than anything. It's the love of the cards. It's the love of the sport. It's the love of the hobby. And I was reminded of that this weekend through the purchase of these two baseball cards. And my, my wish for each and every one of you out there is that you at some point have this same kind of experience that brings you back and reminds you of why we do what we do. I love the cards and I love the hobby. And that's the show for this week. Thanks for being with me for yet another edition of Mountain State Cardboard. I will talk to you guys next week. I love you. Have a great week. 
Connect with Mountain State Cardboard on Instagram at WV Cardboard. Our theme music is performed and produced by John Ingram. Visit our show page on Anchor, anchor.fm slash WV Cardboard. This podcast is a member of the 3BG Podcasting Network, a production of 3BG Media. All rights reserved.